Well, we've been in a prayer series over the last four weeks uh, using help by the book by Pete Gregg called Pray, P-R-A-Y, Pause, Rejoice, Ask, and Yield. And so you might kind of go, well, aren't we done? I mean, four letters, four sermons, this is number five. What, what's going on here? Well, consider this really yield part two, um, because there's something about going into the kingdom of God which we still need to address. And so kids, today, if you're um, listening to me at this point, perhaps you'd like to just consider, we're going to be talking about something called spiritual warfare as we go along. But really, it's all about just how we deal with other people as we pray. And so that passage we heard from Romans just now, you can also, uh, it sounds like this when it's written in the message. We're called to laugh with your happy friends when they're happy, shed tears when they're down, get along with each other, don't be stuck up, make friends with nobodies, don't be the great somebody, don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even, that's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God, I'll take care of it. I wonder if you can think of a time when you have either laughed or cried with a friend or when somebody has been their, that friend to you, when you've been either feeling happy or sad. Maybe you could think about that friend and now write them a letter or draw them a picture. Or think about, for some, a few moments, just why it was that that was special. Last weekend, I spent some time with um, some dear friends, and they were chatting amongst them, and they were talking about movies and programs and things that they've binged on during uh, the pandemic. And I listened with curiosity because um, I'm always interested in what people are watching on TV. And it started out with Great British Baking Show. Okay, I've, I haven't actually watched that much of it, but I have seen kind of like half an episode and I get the kind of drift. But then what was really, really fascinating was that they began to talk about all these other shows. Um, they were talked about Blown Away, which is glass-blowing reality TV. And then The Amazing Race. And then Sandblasters and the Big Flower Fight, a botanical sculpture competition, car masters, um, the, the list went on, the great pottery throwdown. Turns out there's a whole world out there which I had no idea about. Reality TV has just gone kind of into every possible field. Endless spin-offs from creative people. But then this week I also read an article in the New York Times and it was called um, uh, God is, so, is Dead, So is the Office. And this one was about people creating spiritual rituals for office spaces. So they were saying, You're, you will get better, your, your team will work better, even on Zoom, if you've got kind of spirituality woven into the way that you operate as an office community. But it was really consumer-tailored spirituality. There wasn't any need for God. It was just, let's all do something kind of sweet and meaningful together. And so it was a kind of spirituality for people who just wanted to get on and do their own thing, make it tailored to who they were. And it made me think about what other spin-offs might come on, spiritual eating, spiritual clothes, spiritual, all sorts of things. And to be honest, sometimes spiritual warfare sounds a little bit like that, something which isn't quite real, something which maybe we don't really need to think about, something which is kind of just maybe crazy. Warfare has that kind of feeling of, well, that sounds a bit dangerous. Maybe we'll get hurt. Maybe it's going to be unpleasant. Sounds like there might be blood. Um, it just sounds just a bit wacky, a bit off-center. But the pr 
problem is, is that spiritual warfare is referenced in the Bible from the very beginning to the very end. It's all the way through. It's right from the Garden of Eden right into Revelation. We clearly can't ignore it. Jesus began his ministry with 40 days in the desert in engagement with, um, with Satan. So, okay, where do we start? Well, for, first of all, we have to recognize that warfare is real. And we all know that. We've seen toddlers scrambling over their favorite toy in the, in the nursery through to countries at war because they want stuff. They want culture. They want land. They want possessions. They want allegiances. They want things. They always are looking for power one way or another. And war is always messy. And so I like the fact that after the end of Second World War, the countries got together and said, hey, we need to have some protocols. We need to have some principles. We need to have some ways that we can engage in warfare um, with minimizing risk to civilians, essentially. And of course, then the Geneva Conventions came into play and the International Committee of the Red Cross, which was going to monitor this and make sure that everyone played well or fought well. But if you follow the news, you will see that so often countries are accused of flouting the Geneva Conventions. So it's worth knowing, noticing that our enemy is not a rule follower. However, he is also finite. But we are living in a time when we are engaging with an enemy who is not playing by any rules. Okay, so what's the purpose of the fight? What are we fighting about? Well, essentially, we're engaged in a battle which is looking for the kingdom of God to come now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're fighting for, with the gospel of love. We're fighting for justice. We're fighting for changes in systems. Because we have to fight. Because evil is real. We don't want to minimize it, and we don't want to spend too much time dwelling on it either. But in Ephesians 6, it says this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Scripture recognizes that there is a battle, and it's somewhat invisible. It's masterminded by evil, by Satan, and so we can't really see it. In 1 Peter 5, it says, one, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking somewhere to devour. And we all know that bad stuff happens. And there's, we just prayed it in our collect. We prayed for wisdom as we engage with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's important to not always attribute everything to evil. But many of the things that we choose, many of the ways that we make choices within our flesh, may have some kind of rooting in evil, but they're also sometimes our choices, the choices that we make to overeat or overdrink or overindulge. We make bad choices when we're unkind or impatient or angry without cause. So there are things that we are responsible for and there are things that are to do with just pure evil. And the one little caution I'm gonna throw in here is to be very, very careful to never attribute bad things to God. God allows evil simply because he also allows us to be free. And the day will come when he says, enough, and Christ returns. Okay, so now we've acknowledged there is spiritual warfare, it's real, so what do we do about it? Well, I would suggest that we have authority, we have responsibility, and that we're equipped 
First of all, authority. We are called to be part of Christ's army, if you like. And if you read in Ephesians 1, where Christ is, it says, God seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we recognize Christ is in authority over all things, all things, all things. And that we then are created in the image of God to bear his glory. And we are invited to be Christ's representatives in this battle. Karl Barth says it rather nicely, in Christian prayer, we found ourselves at the very seat of government, at the very heart of the mystery and purpose of all occurrences. We are there. We are sitting at the seat of government, and we are called to take authority. And from the world's perspective, we might just be Liz and Abby and Clayton and Weber, but from God's perspective, we have authority in the battle to go forth proclaiming Christ. And with that authority comes responsibility. I'm sure you all heard it as kids going up. If you have rights, you have responsibilities, and we have responsibilities. That's just the way it is. And so we are here to campaign for shalom, for peace, for justice, for righteousness. <coughs> and if you want to sort of think for, further about those things, why not join the small group, which is um, Ginny is leading in the fall, which is going to be exploring how we are part of seeking shalom in our neighborhoods around us. But not only that, we have authority and we have responsibility, but we are equipped in Ephesians 6 again, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do have equipment. We have defensive armor. But then how wonderfully is that we're actually given an offensive weapon as well. In verse 17, it talks about we have the weapon of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're called to pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. The sword of the Spirit, the word of God and prayer, it's about speaking and living God's truth in love into the world around us. So what exactly do we have to do? Well, first of all, I think we do need to recognize the enemy tactics. Enemy tactics are to spread hate, to distort God's word, to wreak havoc, to destroy families and cultures and institutions and societies. So if you see division happening, there is some form of evil at work. Where we see destruction happening, there is some form of evil at work. And so our battle tactics are never to retaliate with the enemy's weapons, but to come from a position of love. To come from a position where, as Jesus said earlier in our, our gospel reading, we come with a, a a kind of attitude of forgiveness, that our expectation is that we're going to forgive, that we're going to bring love, that we're going to bring truth. And as we bring that gospel, we're bringing gospel of message of peace that will encourage and create and build. We're told very firmly in Romans to bless and not curse and to pray. And so briefly, let's recap on that. So when we're called to love, in Romans 12, it says, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. 
love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. You might not think that that's the first step in spiritual warfare, but it is to go into any situation with an attitude and expectation that you're going in with the Holy Spirit and with an attitude of love. And then you're going to go in with scripture. And I said it last week, and as a good preacher and pastor, I guess I'm going to have to say it every week from now onwards. You need to read scripture. You need to know it. Because then we can wield it. And so, for example, one of the verses which I'm clinging on to at the moment is Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you encounter some situation where a minority is being put down, or whether there are rules for one set of people and not for another, when there is inequality, you need to know that. And you need to wield it. You need to say it. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is scriptural truth, and we need to apply it where we see injustice. But if you spend time in scripture, God will give you the verses, the the background, the oomph that you need to go into the day. Ask. Ask for scripture that is going to be relative to the the battles that you fight in a day ahead of you. And if in doubt, we bless. If you don't know what's going on, we bless. Again, in Romans verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Going on in verse 17, do not repay evil for evil. Do not repay evil for evil. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Neither avenge yourselves. Leave room for the wrath of God. God's going to do the vengeance. And then in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We have to bless. We have to love. We have to forgive. And so one of the most powerful weapons we have is to go in with an attitude of blessing. But finally, the one which perhaps you were expecting me to talk about, which Jesus mentioned in that gospel reading we heard, is to bind. And there are situations when we are called to bind evil. But it's not a big hoopla. It's simply being able to pray, Lord, I bind this spirit or this evil force in the name of Jesus, and I send him to you to deal with as he will. We don't deal out kind of punishment. We don't. The vengeance is God's. All we can do is, God says we have permission, we have authority, we have responsibility to bind evil when we see it being used around us. And so we need to take authority. And so my challenge to you today is, are you ready and willing to engage with the enemy? And I would say, don't minimize the enemy, but don't pay too much attention to him either. Put on your armor. Be ready with the sword of the spirit. You have Love, scripture, and truth, and peace on your side. Bless and do not curse. And then finally, finally, finally. Well, I started off this season with reading from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, so I thought it would be good to finish with a little passage from it. Very brief this time. Just a reminder, towards the end of the book, uh, I won't give any spoiler alerts, but something dreadful and something marvelous has happened. And there is a battle raging between good and evil. And this is very briefly. Quick, quick, shouted the voice of Aslan. Centaurs, eagles, I see another wolf in the thickets. Little aside, the wolves are the baddies. There, behind you, he just darted away. After him, all of you, he will be going to his mistress. 
Now is your chance to find the witch and rescue the fourth son of Adam. And instantly, with a thunder of hooves and a beating of wings, a dozen or so of the swiftest creatures disappeared into the gathering darkness. Peter, still out of breath, turned and saw Aslan close at hand. And Aslan looks at him and says, you have forgotten to clean your sword, said Aslan. It was true. Peter blushed when he looked at the bright blade and saw it all smeared with the wolf's hair and blood. He stooped down and wiped it quite clean on the grass and then wiped it quite dry on his coat. This is the end of Peter's first battle and he was going to engage in more in the years to come. But I'd like to finish with that reminder that after we have been in battle, we need to clean our sword. We need to come to Jesus and say, Lord, this is what's been going on. Thank you that you're involved in it. This is where my part has been. Will you cleanse me? Will you help me to pay attention to what's happening inside me? Will you help me to be quick to forgive, quick to love, quick to bless? And then ask the Holy Spirit to refill you. If you've been in warfare, you might be exhausted. You might be filled with kind of all sorts of thoughts about whether what you did was the right thing or not. But if you've been engaged in battle, Come back to Jesus and ask for his cleansing. We're going to have a few moments of quiet now, as is our habit. And I wonder if you could take a few moments to think about any situation which you might be in, or a person, or even something more systemic in our society, where you want to see God break through, where you want to see a change. Will you ask God what your authority and responsibility is in that situation? Where it is that you can bring love? Will you ask him to help you to be aware of it if there's anything that you need to bind? And then will you ask him to bless and to keep your heart and motives clean? Heavenly Father, we bring you our stories. We bring you the people around us whom we love and those whom we're not so keen on. And we ask that you will help us to pay attention to where we need to wield our authority, exercise our responsibility, and where we need to step more deeply into loving our friends, our neighbours and our enemies. Give us strength, give us courage, give us your word, and ultimately we ask, will you give us your peace? Amen. <laughs>